This is the Dirt Bags Baseball Dirt Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Darty. Coming on the show today, head coach of the UNCC Charlotte 49ers, Robert Woodard. Excited to have Coach Woodard on the show. Uh, one of the bright minds in the college game, uh, forward thinker, uh, one of the best pitchers to ever come through at the University of North Carolina. He was big time arm for the Tar Heels back in the mid-2000s, led him to back-to-back appearances in the College World Series championship game. Y'all listen to this. He's the all-time winningest pitcher at the University of North Carolina. 34 and 5 over his career. His was 22 and 0 in the final two seasons at North Carolina. That's pretty impressive as a college baseball player to win your last 22 starts. Not a bad uh, not a bad little resume there. When he got done, he was drafted was drafted his junior season and then decided to go back to school, return to school for his senior year and was drafted again, played professionally and then got back into the coaching ranks started his coaching career at North Carolina. He was there in 2010, went to Omaha as a coach with the Tar Heels as well, then slid over to UNC Wilmington as the pitching coach there, was at Virginia Tech, went back again to North Carolina, was there as the pitching coach, and then became the head coach at University of North Carolina Charlotte this past season, uh, which was cut short. But uh, glad to have Coach Woodard on the show today. Um, just a, a really, you know, hardworking, uh, very you know, forward-thinking guy. Um, Want to talk to him today? You know about about his kind of path path, his playing career, his path, his coaching career, um, talk some, some analytics with him, uh, some influences that have, uh, you know, kind of kind of been throughout his life, um, so I'm going to get him cranked up and, and fired up to get him on the show today. I want to thank a couple sponsors, though, first. Impact Baseball, since 2001, Impact Baseball has been hosting showcase tournaments and ID camps, as well as promoting high school and middle school players all over the country. Impact Baseball has added their ID camps, and you can go to the website to check out all the tournament information and ID camps coming in May and June. Go to impactbaseball.com. You can follow them on Twitter, at Impact Baseball, and on Instagram, Impact Baseball underscore. 
You can follow all our other content on the dirt bags at dirtbag underscore swag on Twitter, dirtbag underscore swag underscore on Instagram, thedirtbags.com, and dirtbags baseball on Facebook. Coach Water, great having you on the show today. I uh, know that we're we're all trying to um, kind of figure out the the ins and outs of things are starting to loosen up a little bit. It seems. Um, what 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 have you? Um, what to break us down? Break a little bit down. Everybody we've talked to the last couple of weeks has kind of had a different story of of how things kind of evolved. Um, this was your this is your first uh, year at the at the helm being a head coach. Um, so so you probably had a lot more going on um, at the time but but break it break it down a little bit from from when things kind of started to, to where you are now. Great having you on the show too. Yeah Brennan, thanks for having me and um, yeah I guess I guess the best way to kind of lead it off how it started for us is you know we're 17 games into our season um you know we're just coming off of a a really a really good win in Raleigh against a a, you know a nationally ranked very very talented NC State team on Tuesday March 10th have a good practice on Wednesday March 11th Thursday March 12th we're in the morning we're slated to have get on the bus and head to Charlotte International Airport to fly to San Antonio to play to open conference at UTSA. So, um, you know, the night before our the NBA season, had, you know, as everybody saw, that was the night that the NBA season was postponed. So from that point on, it really became clear that this was, this was about to impact us and pretty quickly. So had a lot of conversations with our administration, other coaches in the region that I really respect, and um, just kind of my gut feeling the whole morning headed to the airport on Thursday, March 12th, was that I didn't think there was a very good chance we were going to get on that plane and head to San Antonio. So did you? Um, so did you guys? Did you guys get on the bus and you were headed towards yeah, the we, airport? Yeah, we had a 10 a.m. bus that morning. We headed to. We headed to the airport, just trying to stay business as usual. We got to the airport, checked our bags. We went through security. Um, I just told our coaching staff that I was going to hang back. Um, I needed to be on the phone with administration and uh, have some conversations. I just kind of wanted – and I needed to really just kind of gather my thoughts. Uh, as you mentioned, a first-time head coach, never – you know, but regardless, I don't, I don't know if any of us have been through anything – Really liked it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like not like someone else had experience like that. <laughs> so yeah, like I could call Coach Fox up at UNC and just say, "Hey, Coach, you know what's what's the protocol for uh, <laughs> what's about to happen?" Yeah, what what would you do in this situation? Yeah, there's um, there's not there there wasn't a script. There 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 wasn't anyone really to call or lean on. Um, I knew that. I sensed that. So. I really just, I went to a restaurant, I, I grabbed a, a kind of a, an early lunch by myself, I was on the phone, and uh, coordinated with our staff to have sort of a quiet meeting area in place at the airport in case I needed to inform our team of any information 
Um, that was one of our coaching staff's biggest priority was anything um, in terms of series cancellation or postponement or any information that was, you know, involved our players. And I told our staff, you know, we, we wanted to, we wanted to inform our players before they found out on social media, if at all possible. Sure. So that was one of our biggest priorities that day on Thursday, March 12th, was just to try to stay ahead of information, inform our guys, um, you know, keep everyone positive, lead, lead how we needed to lead. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I'm sitting there. Uh, I got a call from administration probably at about – our flight was at 1.30. I got a call at about 12.15 about a little before an hour before our flight that we needed to, uh, you know, get the bus. I had been former a bus driver that it was likely that we were good. There was a chance that we needed him to come back to the airport. Sure. Um, after the team went into the airport. And so, uh, I was informed by administration that the series was, was canceled and that we needed to come back to campus immediately. So got on the horn with the bus company and we got our bus to come back. We had to get our bags, off of the uh, off of the plane, so we had to go to bag claim, baggage claim. You know, get back on the bus. Um, sorry, just before that, like I mentioned, we had a meeting area, so informed the team to kind of leave the gate. I had some news for them. We got together, and you know, I informed the team, kind of in the upstairs area, you know, that the, the series had been canceled, canceled, and but I didn't really have any other Inform- information yeah. for them. And, I didn't know what that meant for our, you know, our season that we were just gonna, you know, just kind of do what we were told and ask them to, you know, not put anything on social media and just, uh, just to stay positive. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Cause at that, because at that point, no, nobody really, and and it's and it's neat to hear, you know, you, you, I, a couple other folks that I've talked to, it, everyone, some some folks were had a home series, um, so so they had everything there. Um, you know, for, for the most part, you know, one, one coach I talked with said that, you know, they were, they were leaving, they were supposed to leave later that day on a bus to, to head out, you know, and you're, you're in a, you guys are in the airport getting ready to go. And, you know, at that point, you know, uh, the series were, it, it wasn't like just, a, a everything shut down. It was kind of like. A trickle effect when when one started going, then it then it just snowballed where everybody shut it down. Yeah, and it really started. I mean, it really started for me with the NBA season. Yeah, same here, same here. I agree. So, so that was. I mean, it's hard for us. You know, our staff talked about it the night before. That it's hard for me to imagine us playing a conference USA baseball series in San Antonio when the Dallas Mavericks aren't even playing right. NBA basketball games. So. Um, you know, that's just, uh, so we, mentally we tried to kind of gear up and prepare for it as best we could. Like you said, obviously you can't really prepare for it. So, um, our team handled it, you know, like champs, um, obviously very disappointed. We've got some guys that have some Texas in that region, you know, their families were scheduled to, you know, be there and, um, it was our opening conference series. So obviously disappointed, um, you know, then plus, I mean, rumors have been flying for a few days and this day and age with social media, oh, yeah. guys are friends with players on other teams. It's really, you know, our players are really 
you know, they're, they're smart. They, they're, they're informed. They have an idea. Um, so my biggest goal really was from the, the bus ride back to campus was really just to try to keep the guys, keep that off their minds, keep them, you know, keep the mood light. Um, I guess, you know, we played, we, you know, even from just playing music on the bus ride to campus. Yeah. You know, just something small like that. Um, and coaching staff, as a coaching staff, we decided that we felt like it was best to, I mean, we didn't know, I mean, I thought worst case scenario that, you know, there could be a, a prolonged postponement of the season. Um, really didn't think the cancellation was a high, a high probability, although right. I thought it was a small probability. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't really know. I guess the best way to say it is like, I didn't know if tomorrow was guaranteed for us as a team to be on the field together. So it felt like the most, the best thing possible for us to do was just get on the field. Yeah. So we, we got off the bus, we, we dropped our bags off, I let the guys wear whatever they wanted to wear. It was a beautiful day. We got back to campus, we got on the field at 2.05, uh, just addressed the team, um, and then we broke and, and kind of started you know, how we sort of start a normal practice. Sure. And I, um, so for about the 30, 30, first 30, 40 minutes, we got the guys loose, got everybody's arms up. Position guys did some skill work defensively while pitchers continued to throw. And once the pitchers finished throwing and, um, you know, kind of their normal daily Thursday routine, that our Sunday starter threw his bullpen, we got to be ready for Sunday just in case we were going to scrimmage an inner squad. Sure. Um, we got the team together, and as a coaching staff, we let the we let the players draft two teams, and we just had some fun. Yeah. We just played a fun game. We let pitchers we let pitchers play positions. We let I mean our center fielder catch you know whatever you want to play. Um, kind of a coach pitch game for about an hour and a half, six inning game. We just had fun. Nice and. Um, I'm going to forever be thankful for that. No doubt. That's awesome. Yeah. For that, for that, for those two hours, we just didn't care about anything that was going on. We didn't care about, you know, the, 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 the looming dark cloud of, of what was about to happen. We just played. We, we, I mean, our coaches hit. Yeah. I got to hit. B-Rob got to hit. Coach Todd Simmons, they got to hit. Toby, Coach Dignall was on the road recruiting, so he was, you know, he wasn't there, unfortunately. But um, you know, we just had fun for two hours. Yeah. And um, I mean, I even put a dugout card up with both lineups, and you know, just just tried to have some fun with it. And I mean, it was a little, it was surreal from the standpoint that we played for two hours, six inning game, and then we're you know we're walking off the field. And Coach Simmons came up to me uh, just because, you know, we as a staff, we had said, let's just stay ahead of information. If yeah. anybody gets any information, let me know or I'll let, I'll let them know. And, uh, you know, we're walking off the field at 430 and Coach Simmons comes up to me quietly and just says, hey, Coach, I just, you know, I just saw I just saw that they canceled the College World Series. Yeah. And my, my, my stomach dropped, my heart sunk. Um, 
you know, I immediately just, I thought about our seniors, I All looked right. at our players, um, they're walking off the field, I'm like, how, in that moment, I just, I, I thought to myself, you know, what the heck am I supposed to say? Damn, what no am doubt. I supposed to, what, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to tell these guys right now? Um, you know, that was my initial thought. And then, you know, right after that, you know, my next thought was, you got to leave. Yeah. You know, you got, you got to leave and you can't leave from the back. You got to leave from the front and they deserved, they deserved to hear it from, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I was able to, to tell the guys the news of the college World series being canceled because, um, you know, not all coaches had that ability. Yeah, yeah, no question. Some coaches were on buses with their teams going yeah. to, going to, you know, I talked to one coach who was on a bus going to a Big Ten school, and he said that, you know, his players are, you know, coming up to him from the back of the bus saying, Coach, is this true? Coach, is this true? And um, that was, to me, one of the biggest nightmares was that they could, they could receive some type of really, you know, yeah, the information like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, yeah, without it coming, without it coming from you, no question. Yeah. So, you know, I just I, when Coach Simmons told me that, I, I just gathered myself for a second and I asked the guys. I said, "Hey, I said, guys, just come over here for a second. And and they all came to home plate. I told them to take a knee, and you could just sense kind of they, they knew. They're yeah. smart guys. Yeah. And um, maybe not knew what I was about to say, but they knew. They 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 knew something was different and you know I just with them all sitting you know the whole team sitting there on a knee at home plate I just I told the guy that the college world series is canceled yeah and I just told him straight up like that I, I said guys I, I I'm at a loss of words I don't know what this means for, for us I don't know what this means for you know the college world series is middle of June the end of June I don't know what that means from March twelfth until yeah, right. the middle of June. So, I mean that's that's three months. I don't I don't I don't know what that means. I don't know if we're gonna play a season with no college world series eventually. I don't know if we're gonna enter squad. You know, I didn't really get into that much detail, but I basically just I just told them that I'd, you know, stay positive. Like yeah. we don't we don't know what this means. And I told them that this is unprecedented, this is uncharted territory. Um I told them that I believed strongly that there's going to be there's going to be light at the end of this tunnel, and there are going to be more positives than negatives that come from all of this. And I said I I can't I can't tell them I couldn't tell them at that moment when we were at home plate what those would be, but since that moment, you know we've already seen everything from the senior relief to. Um, you know, just, you know, our, our, our players' responses and how they've handled it and everyone, you know, everybody at Charlotte, you know, which is really all I can speak on, just locking arms and trying to work the wall together from players to coaches to administration and trying to, to, try to achieve the best-case scenario. So, you know, there's this, this you know, not only our team, though, the 2020 49er baseball team, but every every 2020 baseball team and coaching staff, I think, is going to be bonded for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah, no no question. From this. 
And and the neat part and the neat part is is um you know the the way that you did it just just from an outsider you know and and listening is you know you you're probably one of the very few people in the groups that that your group you know that they did have they did have a chance they got one more chance to play to play yeah. together um yeah. you know which is which you it, so you know obviously there still still so much is unknown with with you know with uh, you know there is some clarity to the 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 seniors being awarded and scholarships and all that and and you know i mean that that's stuff that that you guys are are probably working through and trying to figure out but but there may be a guy you know maybe may on in Probably, I'm sure, in your program that was a senior this year that that played and and this was it for him. He's going to yeah. pharmacy school or medical school, and he has the opportunity yeah. to say, you know what, man, that that season ended, but I got a chance to play on on the last day of of the college baseball season. I got an opportunity to go out there and play with my teammates. What it was a it was whatever or practice. Because a lot of people don't have practice either, so you know. I mean, it yeah. says. I mean, since, you know, the, we, it just it felt like it felt like we we maximized every minute we had together. Yeah. And I'll forever be thankful for that. That's awesome. And yeah, and we, you know, after we after I said a few words, just trying to you know provide clarity and hope and optimism to our guys and our staff. Just really, I just I hope. Uh, again, just I feel fortunate I was able to, you know, let the players speak, and some guys were able to say, you know, say some words to to each other um, about what they, you know, what you know, what this what this group of individuals, you know, what this group and team mean to to them, and um, they broke it down at home plate, and we pretty much just spread out foul territory in the dugout and everybody just pretty much just sat in small groups or individually and just kind of gathered their thoughts for 45 minutes to an hour. There really wasn't a whole lot of talk talking. Yeah. And I think every player hugged each senior and the seniors were for the most part the last ones to leave the field as you sure. can imagine. Yep. And so from 4.30 to 5.30 that was pretty much the, the picture and as you can imagine, there was some emotion there, just with, you know, what the sense was, you know, that what, right, you know, the sense was of what might be ahead for, for everything going on, and then I just went up to the office after the last player left. I went up to my office for two hours, and I, I just, honestly, I just kind of sat there and I looked out over the field, and I didn't really talk to anybody. I just kind of reflected on what was happening in the present and you know just trying to visualize the best case scenario and what it looked like and you know how from you know from 7.30 p.m. when I left my office that night till today you know what what am I going to do to try to help these players yeah and, and coaching staff and support staff and try to get to that best case scenario, whatever that is. And that's kind of been my, per, you know, 
my individual and our coaching staff's mission since we broke from that there on Thursday, March 12th was we're just all trying to make the best of the best case scenario. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that's what we've done for the last five to six weeks. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. There's, you know, but again, like we told everybody's in the, in the same, in the same kind of situation and, and they don't, um, you know, still, still gathering information for moving forward. You're, you're, you guys are obviously, you know, you're you're doing as much recruiting as possible, um, with yeah. with you know the class that you have, the incoming class, and and still trying to recruit for, you know, the future classes. Um, yeah. And and you know, but when baseball gets gets back, which which some things are starting to, I think we'll, we'll get it back here. You know, once that first pro pro sports thing starts going i think people will start to to feel a little bit better about things and and things will gradually start to open up more more and more but what what you you are a a a north carolina guy through and through um you know high school uh myers park high school then then to chapel hill um, you yep. did. You did go to Virginia there for for a short time, um, yep. and then back back yep. back into into North Carolina. But um, talk talk a little. I mean that 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 run that college that run you had in college, the all time winningest um, pitcher at at North Carolina. Um, but it, you finished your career with twenty two and zero. Um, so I, I did a little research on it too. Two two College World Series finals appearance back to back. You know Oregon State. I mean, talk talk about you know your decision as a high school. Where now were you a two way guy coming out, or or did you commit to North Carolina as a as as a pitcher and then? Um, you you they be you became you were like I'll, I'll go there if I can do both and they said yeah you can do both and and then they said ah you, you might need to stick to pitching was it that type or you know talk about talk about a little bit about that decision process and and your years as a player at North Carolina um, I mean you, you had some really good really good teams um, and and some yeah. you know just I mean I those teams were really 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 good back and, and obviously there's still still you know but like i mean with, with, there's some some guys that that you know really made a made that program an elite elite program that time frame thanks yeah i mean it was um i guess in two part the the recruiting process i was i was definitely i definitely played you know i played short and third base and hit you know, coming up all from Little League to high school and, you know, at Myers Park High School, um, you know, played, played both ways. But And I got recruited with, by some other schools other than UNC to, you know, I guess I was told I was going to play both ways. But I, I, I pretty much always self-evaluated myself as, you know, I, my aspiration was to play baseball at the highest level, whatever that is, and, um, and not only play there, but succeed there. And um, I just 
could be on the mound. I mean, it, it really went back to when I was in seventh grade. I started going to high school prospect camps at different at different colleges at UNC, um, you know, and even as far south as Jacksonville University in Florida. I uh, just had a family friend that had a connection there. I wanted to, as a seventh grader, I remember running a 60-yard dash. I think I ran like a 9-4. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. slow. Right. Like, like, slow. Now, I mean, you know, in terms of playing speed, like, the ball was hit to me. I, you know, I made the plays. I had the arm. I could hit a little bit, you know, competitively at the high school level. But I just I just knew that my, my skill set played better on the mound. Um and, I, and from 7th grade to 12th grade, it felt like the harder I worked at pitching, the better I got. And it felt like the harder I worked at, you know, uh, hitting and fielding and et cetera, like almost, you know, I, I didn't get much better. Right. So, you know, I always thought in the back of my mind, well, when I stop working at hitting and fielding and I continue to put that time into pitching, I think I can get, I think I can improve that much more. And I, so, so I just... I tried to always self-evaluate, um, and I think I got that from my parents. My parents were always pretty honest with me about, you know, you know what my strengths and weaknesses were, and, and you know, anytime I was too hard on myself, they picked me up, or anytime I thought I was too good, they, you know, they 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 brought me back down to earth. Um, so I'm very thankful to have, you know, have had the parents that I've, I've had along the way to really guide me. Um, but uh, so that's kind of where it played. I, I, so yeah, UNC recruited me. They made me an offer to to be a pitcher. Um, you know, they kind of floated because they knew other schools were recruiting me as a sure. two-way. They kind of floated the opportunity, but I, I pretty much said to Coach Fox, Coach, I'm not, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to hit for you guys. I know that. Like I'm just like I just want to come to you guys and just focus on pitching. I, Roger Williams, the pitching coach at Louisville now was was the pitching coach at UNC at the time and I just had great respect for him and I thought as though that if I worked solely on pitching with Coach Williams then you know my game could get to another level so um, yeah so you know chose UNC over some other schools uh, may or may not have had the benefit you know the help of both my parents going to UNC and that's where they met in college and got married while they were at UNC so I don't know if they actually had much of a choice of going to another school sure yeah. But, uh, um, you know, so I went there uh, the fall of 2003, played there for four years with, like you mentioned, some really incredible teams and incredible players, um, you know, for some unbelievable coaches. Coaches that each and every day for four years basically showed me um, that when I get done playing, if I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to coach, like, this is what I want to do because they had such an impact on not only me as a player, but me as a person. And, you know, I just, I've always, you know, so for four years, I felt like I had a training ground of, of playing some, for some phenomenal coaches and coach Fox and coach Williams, coach Forbes were my, both my pitching coaches. Mm-hmm. And then Chad Holbrook was uh, our recruiting coordinator and hitting coach. Um, and then Jason Howell and, um, Alex Marconi were, were other coaches as well. And, um, gosh, I think, you know, three or four of those, three or, you know, three of those guys have gone on to be head coaches and two of them are associate head coaches, um, that I got to play for. And they're, they're all still in baseball. And, um, 
Yeah, yeah. no, no doubt. And 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 Roger Williams could, if if he wanted to be a head coach, you know, it just has oh, to yeah. it has to be the right. I I think at 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 it, the point and and what he's accomplished in his career, it it has to be you know because he's he's in a he's in a pretty good situation where he's at. Um, and, and yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a legendary pitching coach at, at any level. No, he no question. Big, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He could be in a big league dugout right now. I agree. Um, so, you know, he, I, I just, it was really fortunate for four years. I got to, to really kind of be mentored by those individuals. And as you said, I, I mean, I was in the same recruiting class with Andrew Miller and Daniel Bard. So you can just start right there in terms of. Uh, those two guys alone can can give any team a chance to play in the college world series. No, no doubt. They, so, and I was, I tell people all the time. I mean, I was, I was always just, I was fortunate to be in the same kind of weekend rotation with them for part of the four years. Um, but you know, the only reason I got, you know, kind of, I I truly believe that the only the only reason that I kind of got to my ceiling as a player is because every single bullpen yeah, you're com- yeah. Through, and every single time I took the ball, whether it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Tuesday, I was trying to compete with those two guys. Yeah. Eventual first rounders, big leaguers. I mean, who knows if Andrew Miller, you know, may or may not go to the Hall of Fame one day. I yep. mean, he's been big leagues for 13 years and he ain't slowing down. Yeah. So, um, you know, it just, I just, uh, I, I felt like sw- swimming in, I felt like I was, you know, swimming in the deep end talent-wise, and that, that I, I've always enjoyed that. I've always, I was always said that I would rather, I would rather swim in the deep end of the pool and, you know, struggle and potentially fail than, you know, stay in the kiddie pool or the shallow end. Right. Comfortable. Yeah. So, that's just always been my personality. And so, you know, playing along those two guys was, you know, because I mean, I remember being a senior in high school. I remember people telling me, you know, you know, you're not as good as Andrew Miller. You're not as good as, as, as my buddy and fellow Charlotte native Daniel Bard. And I just said, yeah, I know that's okay. Like if I, I'm either going to pitch and if I pitch, then that means that I'm doing something right. And if I don't, then, you know, I'm getting beat by two of the best pitchers in the world. Yeah, no question. It ain't that bad. Yeah. Um, You know, but then you throw in other North Carolina natives like Chad Flack and Josh Horton and Jay Cox. And, I mean, I can go on and on and on. It was just our our roster was littered with North Carolina players. Um, And players that, you know, truthfully were, some were, quote, preferred walk-ons. Yeah. I was was on a $1,000 scholarship. Back back in the day, back in the days, yep, when that was, when that was. When that was. Yep. When I was allowed, yep. you know, and, and so, you know, I always try to, when I sit down with families and, you know, we offer these opportunities, I think there's just such a big misconception that opportunity or that, you know, that, that, you know, scholarship and amount equals worth. It just, it's, that's not always the case. Yeah. That's you great. Know, that's a great point. I, we try, we try to tell guys that too. It's, it's. I mean, there's so many. There's so many guys that aren't on money that that are that are outperforming, and you, you know, you as a head coach, and and all coaches out there, you're, you're the the 
the best nine guys, I mean, you, your, your ultimate goal, you want to win as much as you can and develop, but you're playing the best nine guys. So if you believe in, you know, as a player, if you believe in your ability, you believe in yourself, you know, which I'll just say I did. I mean, I, I, I did. I believed in myself and I believed in, you know, maybe I wouldn't always have success, which I didn't, but I believe that, I believe that whatever would kind of be thrown at me, I would, I believe in myself to figure it out. Yeah. So and I, I'm just such a strong believer that if I had gone to another school and this is just for me, um, you know, I, I chose the school that offered me the smallest scholarship. All right. And, and that's, and there were, you know, at the time UNC hadn't been to the college world series since 1989. Yeah. So there had been schools, there are schools that had offered me 30, 40, 50, 80% that, you know, at that time we're on that kind of caliber. And, you know, for me, it was, it was more about going, going to the place and that I knew that I would be around the people that, you know, gave me the best chance to be successful, not only coaches, but fellow teammates, um, and just the culture and, you know, when my feet hit the ground in the morning, if it was 4:45 going to the, you know, going to the weight room that, Hey, look, I'm dog tired. I'm sore. I haven't thrown well in a month, but this, but Hey, this is where I want to be. I mean, that's, I knew that that's what I was committing to, you know, and that's what, that's what we look for in Charlotte now as a coaching staff is we want those guys. We want, we want the guys that, you know, are committing to us because when they, when their feet hit the floor in the morning, you know, they're excited to be in Charlotte. They're excited to be a part of our program. They're excited to be around our coaching staff. They're excited to be around their fellow teammates because, you know, we've recruited other guys that are, you know, really good people and have, you know, the same or similar goals that they have, you know, so that's, that's what I was looking to be a part of. And I'm just forever thankful that I got to spend four years in a place around, you know, such, such tremendous people. I mean, take talent out of the equation, um, you know, but, you know, I think what, what I can't stress enough too, though, is that it wasn't always, it wasn't always easy and I wasn't always successful. Like, you know, my freshman year, I went a month without pitching. Right. You know, I, I, I got, I got suspended for, you know, a game by coach Fox for missing the psychology class. Right. Um, I mean, you know, so it's just, I, 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 I always try to communicate that to guys, to players and families that I interact with during the recruiting process because, you know, I think there's a, there's such a, everyone's looking for this red carpet, per, yellow brick road, kind of, you know, perfect, like, storybook opportunity and career. And I don't want to say it doesn't exist, but it, it's, it really kind of doesn't. I mean, it's no matter, no matter who you are. I mean, Andrew Miller's had adversity. Daniel Bard's had adversity. I had adversity. Um, you know, our 2000, my sophomore year, our 2005 team, the, the team before we went to the college road series back to back years and played for two 
national championships. You know, we were the first team in the country, I think, to win. I think to win forty games. Yeah. And we finished like four, 43 and twenty one. Like we tailspawned. Yep. At the back end of that season. And, and where did what re, you guys went to to uh, the Gainesville Regional? We did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember that. I mean, that's it's sad. I, I can't remember my, you know, I, I, I but I remember that because I, I remember I was coaching at Elon and we were at, at Clem, we were at the Clemson regional, um, I think. And, and, um, uh, no, I, I, I don't, I, I can't remember. I, but, but I remember, um, that, that you guys like had struggled and then, the the next year you guys got over the hump and that was kind of the the that's when it, it the program you know everyone knew that North Carolina was it was a good program and had had you know hall of famers that had played there and, and big leaguers and all that but it but it just yep. it it hadn't had the same um as basketball obviously is and it's two different things but that that or next th- or yeah women's soccer obviously yeah um which is unprecedented but but i i I, re- I do remember going like sitting there going like that should never happen at north carolina and then the next year it was like boom that was it yeah. that that like that that you guys made that jump and and you haven't looked back since obviously they haven't looked yeah. back since yeah well thanks and just i mean that it just it took a lot of it took a lot of uh, looking in the mirror, you know. Everybody, myself, other players, coaches, sports staff, we all looked in the mirror and said, you know, what went wrong? You know, what what can what can what can I individually and collectively what can we do better that we that we failed to do in two thousand five? What can we try to do in two thousand six? And let's just do it. Let's not talk about it. Let's not look back and say we wish we would have done something different. Let's not, you know, let's not regret anything. Let's just take it for what it is and move forward. And, you know, so those, those lessons and those experiences have stayed with me, you know, all the way up until you know, now and, and have stayed, you know, hopefully will stay with me while, you know, here in Charlotte and, and we're doing what we're doing here because, you know, again, and I, and I tell you know every player that's you know in the past ten months that's every recruit that's committed to come play for us. Um, I tell every player, you know, you're gonna, you know, all I can guarantee you is that if you come to Charlotte, you're gonna be you're gonna be treated with respect. You're gonna have you're gonna have opportunity to achieve every single goal that you have on and off the field. You know, and all and all you have to do is promise me that you're going to give it your all each and every day. That's it. And, you know, when you fail, you're going to have support. You're going to have support from a coaching staff, support staff, administration. And because every college player, every high school player going to college and every college player is going to need help. He's going to need some form of help. He's going to need help, you know, developing a new pitch. He's going to need help, you know, uh, Developing, uh, you know, various skill sets as a position player, whatever that may be, and go on and on. You're gonna need, you're gonna need help in the classroom. You're gonna need help nutritionally. Some players need help with their sleep. Some help, some players need help, 
you know, with their situation at home. Some players need help, you know, socially, some time management. I mean, whatever it may be, there's, there's so many facets that, you know, no, no player goes to a college program and is just completely, um, you know, remiss from needing some form of support or help. And I think it's, you know, I, I think when players can understand that and, and know that, hey, they, they need to prioritize less how much it's going to cost you to go to a school and prioritize more, you know, how, how, what kind of people are you going to be surrounded by and are going to support you when the good is going good and the, and, the and, and it's not going so, and when it's not going so good. Yeah. You know, and, and go to a place that when, you know, like I did, I mean, I didn't pitch, I didn't pitch for four or five, six weeks, my freshman year, one stretch, you know, but there's no, there's nowhere else I wanted to be transferring. That wasn't even, that wasn't on my mind. You know, I mean, that, I mean, people, I do think that for whatever reason, I, and maybe it's just, I, I don't know, maybe it's some of the rules that are in place, but, you know, I just think far too often, you know, there's too much discussion of, oh, you're not playing or you're not having success, go somewhere else. Yeah, and I, I think I think you know? a lot of that now is too is is the the where where baseball where the the you know, showcase level stuff is, um, yeah. is that it's, it's, Hey, if you're not, if you're not playing, um, you know, shortstop and, and hitting in the three hole every day for this particular team, then you know what, this other team will allow you to come out, uh, you know, and, and, and it, it's not now, there's not, it's not every kid. Play, if you can't, if you can't play, if you can't, if you can't beat out that guy that's on your team, how are you going to beat out the guy that's at, your, at the school that you're hoping to go to? Uh, uh, I mean, it's just, yeah. it, I, I've never, I've never, un, I've, I mean, I understand it, but, and I know you understand it too, because you've been on the college side for so long, um, you know, but I just, you know, I know we at Charlotte, we want guys, we want guys that embrace competition yeah. and that, you know, when, and every, not just Shaw, but I think every college coach wants that. I think every college coach wants a player that when the going gets tough or their back's against the wall, that they have the ability to throw the haymaker or the jabs that they need to throw to get out of that corner. And the only way you know how to do that is, you know, is if you, you know, if parents and coaches, you know, take the training wheels off and let them fall off their bike. Yeah, no question. No question. You know, I mean, it, yeah. you know, you might, you might, you might put the, you know, now you might put your kid in, you know, in the backyard on the grass and not the pavement, but at some point you got to take the training wheels off and let kids fall off their bike and get back on and ride. And that's, yeah. that's what we're looking for at Charlotte is we want guys, we want guys that have that ability that have the ability to, you know, you know, have somebody say, you know, it, it, you know, he's better than you right now. Yeah. What are you gonna do about it? Well, you're gonna start being. I'm gonna start being the first one that shows up. I'm gonna start being the last one that leaves. I'm gonna be the best. I'm gonna be the. I'm gonna eat the best. I'm gonna sleep the best. I'm gonna hydrate the best. 
I'm going to prepare the best. I'm going to whatever it may be. And, you know, that, and that's what we had on those teams in 06 and 07 is we just had, I mean, every single practice was just dog eat dog. And we were best friends. But I'll tell you one thing, if, if Josh Horton was in the box off of me, Orange High School native, like he was trying to launch a ball onto Erringhouse turf field. Right. And he did a lot <laughs> um, off of me. And, you know, and there was smack talking. I mean, I gave up, I mean, I gave up, a, I remember giving up a bomb to Matt Spencer to, and, the, you know, our, our, our scrimmage team was in one dugout, the other scrimmage team was in another dugout, and there was guys laughing at how far, you know, I looked at those guys and I had some words for them. And sure. We went back at it. And I went back out on the mound and, you know, pitched the next inning. It just, I mean, that's, that's the type of environment that I think that we've lost a little bit of, for whatever reason, the last 10, 15 years. It's like people are afraid to kind of like go against the grain and, you know, be uncomfortable and, and those types of things. And, um, you know, obviously there's a line that you can't cross, but, you know, I, I what I've, what I truly believe is that when you, you know, you've got to push, you've got to push the envelope to get to that line, um, and just see, and to see where it is. No question. From a competitive standpoint. Yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. I, it's, you're, you're right. There's, there's definitely a line no need to go over the line, but you should be able to push. You should be able to push guys regardless, it, whether it's at the high school level, at the college level, at the you know at the professional level. You should be able to push guys to the to the edge, right up right up against the line, to to kind of see what what they're made of and i mean i obviously that that you you've been on you've been on both sides of of uh, you know as as a obviously as a player as as an assistant coach where you you're kind of you know the the go between guy or or the the mediator between a player and and sometimes a head coach and we we all know um you, you know that that the assistant coach's relationship is different than with with players than the head coach's relationship is, and and sure. um, you know is is you, you've had a bunch of uh, you know I'm sure you've had a lot of influences in in your life and and in coaching and um, you know you you put in uh, the the article that a couple years ago in baseball america talking about the you know using the analytics in college and and i can't that you know we, we all everyone looks at the numbers and and things like that um and and at the college level it's it's there's smaller things that you can use um it's probably not as detailed as some of the some of the big league clubs have but there's enough information you can get and video and things like that and you know talk about some of the some of the guys outside of obviously you know the 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 coaches that you played for um but but some pitching guys and and some of the analytical things that you use and put in place um 
not only as the pitching coach at North Carolina and Virginia Tech and, and UNCW, but now as a head coach as well, too. Yeah. Sure. I just, you know, for me, what, I, what I've found is I've kind of, I feel like since 2010 when I started coaching to 2020 and nine years that I'm assistant, as being an assistant coach, you've, you've kind of, we've kind of seen just an explosion of uh, tools and accessories that can provide information. And, you know, whether that is TrackMan or Rapsodo or Blast Motion or KVest or whatever it may be, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of tools that, that players have access to now um, that can be, you know, you know, we call it, we call it in Charlotte as part of their buffet. Like this is, you know, this is part of the buffet is when you, you know, you, you know, these, these tools and these resources, right? Like these driveline accessories, the plyo balls, the wrist weights, the, the body blade and shoulder tube, the, um, the axe bats, under and over, over and under load system, the high speed cameras. You know, we have all these things in Charlotte. Um, you know, these are tools and resources for our players, you know, to, to really just kind of have a checks and balances of their, of, you know, are they are they improving? Are they staying the same? Or are they are they are they getting worse? And um, that's really all it is. It's not the end all be all. It's not going to guarantee that that guys are going to necessarily be extremely successful. But we do find that you know having kind of that checks and balance system of you know using technology and using data, you know, can really help players. You know, be either be more convicted in what they're already doing or more convicted that, you know, this is clearly something we need to work on and we need to develop. Um, Because not only our eyes see it, but the numbers show it. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, and then then once you establish that conviction that, hey, I'm going to, you know, I really need to develop my change up because, you know, it's just, you know, something's off there. Well, what's off? Well, let's take a look at the high-speed camera and how it's coming off the fingertips. Let's take a look at the, you know, it's spin axis. It's, you know, it's spinning the same, you know, it's not, it's spinning it, you know, one thirty or two o'clock, and we need that change up to be more two thirty or three o'clock with more side spin. Whatever it may be, we can use these two, these tools and resources to really be convicted in what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and I think there's a lot of power in that. Um, well, just like you and, just you just made a great point, and and I, I think that's what gets lost in the transa- translation of, of a lot of it is is people you know they 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 give they get. This little snippet of what what the stuff the the analytics and the data is used for, um, and and you know, but but you have to be able able to implement what not only you're seeing, but what obviously that what what you're seeing, you know, when we were coming up and started in coaching, it, it was video. We could see it on video, and you we used the video. And and look, okay, this is what you look like. And now you it can get really in depth, but you also have to have that coaching side that can say this may work for this guy, right? This specific drill may amp these numbers up, but yeah. it's not going to work for this guy. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, exactly. And so I think you know what we work really hard to at Charlotte is to try to really individualize. Yeah, whether that's training, whether that's training or post game feedback really try to individualize the feedback for each individual player. Um, 
you know, we and try to get away from, you know, just generic um, kind of cookie cutter yeah. training um, and post and post game feedback. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's and, and look, analytics have been there. I mean, forever I watching up. Yeah, it's been there forever. You know, now it's just more of a common term. I mean, I was watching the 1991 World Series the other day on MLB Network, and the broadcasters are they're given the split, the the, the pitcher splits against lefties and righties. Yeah, and they're given the, the hitter splits against lefties and righties. So, you know, this is that's 19 years ago. Right. Yeah. So, exactly. Again, the infra, you know, there's there's just more information now than there's ever been. It's just a matter of how you want to use it. Right. And I think one thing I learned at UNC as an assistant coach my first year is that when we first started with, you know, and it talks about in the article, I think, with Micah Daly-Harris, who really spearheaded kind of the quote analytics department at UNC, was, I mean, we were given pictures like 12-page reports, like 12, 15-page reports after a scrimmage with like, I mean, if you wanted to know your average velo, inning by inning, your time between pitches, you know, your pitch metrics, you know, I mean, the pitch location, I mean, you name it, you got it in that report. And what we found was, like, it was certainly great information, but there was almost so much information that, like, the guys would, like, glance through the 12, 15 pages and just, like, chuck it in their notebook. Right, and, and, get, nothing, and get nothing out of it. Right. Yeah, or well, we, not really maximize it. So what we yeah. found is, like, we, we really tried to, like, filter it down. We would rather be, like, we would rather be really focused on, like, three to five things that, you know, maybe with a player. And, and just let's just be really, let's just be really good at these three to five things or these five or six things, whatever it may be. Um, you know, and we still had information on, you know, but like, you know, these one or two things, you know, these three things with Luke at the lottery, we were going to focus on and versus these three things with Austin Berger. Right. And, um, you know, just again, by looking at like as a coach, I can look at the 50 different things and then decide which three, four five things I feel like this player needs. Um, you know, it's just, but it's better, it's better to really try to filter it down in my opinion um, you know, in that, that form or fashion. So, you know, for the player, you know, for the high school coaches out there, you know, just, you know, just, just try to, you know, for your hitters, just, just get something like blast and, you know, just really try to focus on, you know, two or three things that you feel like really can help each of your hitters pre-con pre-contact because that's what blast measures yeah. or, you know, on the pitching side, invest in a rap soto, you know, and then that way, you know, when your pitcher's throwing a bullpen and you can see that he has, you know, his bad curve balls have 13 inches of vertical break and his good ones have 17 inches, try to help him feel the difference between the two. Like just try to keep it really simple. Yeah. So like just give him the feedback after that pitch, you know, he might, he, you know, so that way you can, you can, give him a little bit more conviction in what he's doing versus like, you know, after each and every pitch, you know, just shove a bunch of numbers down his throat and force him to process it. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the, yeah. I, I, which, so, you know, I, I think I'm a, I'm still, I'm a big believer that, I mean, old school, 
old school blue collar. Um, you know that still plays. Yeah. Like, like at the end of the, at the end of the day, talent plays, work ethic plays, competitive plays. Um, you know, you can have you can have a um, you know a twenty eight twenty seven fifty spin spinning fastball. But if you're constantly pitching behind a count, it ain't going to really matter. Correct. So, you know, it, there's a fine line between between the two. And I think, I, I think the more that we can push towards finding that balance, I think the better off we'll be. And, and, I've, and I've, you know, I've been, I've been challenged with that. I'm challenged with that every day. Sure. There's, there's days where I feel like, there's days I feel like we're, as a program, we're making significant progress. And then, you know, you lose one or two games and you're, 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 you know, you're looking at the scoreboard and you're like, well, maybe we're not. Right. So, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's just the nature of it. But, um, you know, it isn't, I think it's, I think this day and age as coaches and players, we all need to be inquisitive. We all need to be curious. We all need to, I think the more curious you are, the better off you're going to be. I think, I think players and coaches that, resist the the need to learn um and this has always been the case right like closed-minded players 20 years ago before all these resources and that you know those guys those guys were in trouble too um you know but it's just i think this day and age more than ever because there's so much information technology and out there that you know, the more open-minded you are and the more curious you are the better off you're going to be and the higher higher ceiling you're going to be as a player and as a coach, you know, it's going to be. Um, yeah, I think it's it, 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 same thing as a, as a coach or or as a player. You know, you, you coaches, you, I, all of us, we, we go to conventions or, you know, now we have more access to, to things that people are doing online. And you're like, man, that's a great drill. I wonder if that will work for so and so, you know, like, but it, but it doesn't have to be just like you said. The, all the information, you know, you, you you can't try to jam this information into that guy. It may not work for specifically for him. It may work for for this guy, but we need to figure out something that'll work for this guy and w- what makes him tick. And uh, you know, I I, sure. I don't necessarily I. You know, guy, we everyone goes with the old school, new school. I, I don't think, I mean, I, you know, you talk to scouts that have been scouting for 20-something years, and they're, you know, those guys went and the first thing they did was grab, you know, stats, just old school stats and started looking at, at, at the numbers. So it's been there. We just have so much more information that we have access to. And, and you know, you hit the nail on the head. It, it's It's – What's going to make this guy better? And let's focus on that. These numbers tell us this helps us. What we're seeing, that just, that exactly tells us that, yes, this is what we need to work on. Yeah, it just provides a little bit more clarity and conviction. And data for me is just really a checks and balances. Yeah. um, You know, it's, it's occasionally you'll, you'll like unsolved, like you'll, like you'll, there'll be some like, unsolved mystery and like a light bulb will just go off. Um, like we had a pitcher, we had a pitcher at UNC my first year that 
that previous the previous year really hadn't pitched a whole lot, and we had a pretty high ranking analyst from Major League Baseball. I can't really say came in and you know I take no credit for this whatsoever because he was the one that observed it. Right. I basically handed over. I basically handed over our pitching data from the previous year, and he asked about the first pitcher he asked about was a pitcher that didn't throw a single inning the previous year. Right. And and um, our coach's staff said, what about him? And he goes, well, he's got the highest, he's got, he's got a, he's, he's got the equivalent of the highest spinning breaking ball in Major League Baseball and he's got elite changeup movement. And now his average fastball was like 88. Right. So, you know, pretty average, right? And he's six feet tall. But he's got two from a data standpoint, he's got two weapons that are better than he's been given credit for. Sure. Um, and, you know, from that moment on, that, that player was much higher on our radar. And he proved, he, he went on to be an All-American closer yeah. for us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there are those stories out there. Um, you know, there's opportunities for that. But, they, but you know, that's not going to be... You know, there's not going to be just light bulb after light bulb after light bulb. Right, right. You know, just that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's, um, I don't know, I, I think that's, you know, you've got you to gotta have, you got to be open-minded. Um, you've got to have the courage to really, you know, trust it, too. Um, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing is, is um, you know, there's going to be, you're going to get information that, you know, it might be better to, you know, throw a certain, you know, instead of throwing, you know, this guy's fastball 60, 70% of the time, you know, he needs to throw it 30, 40% of the time. And, you know, he's a, you know, you just, you're going to have to have the courage to, you're going to have to have the ability as a coach to communicate with that player and show him why he needs to do that. And, you know, his first outing, if it doesn't go so well, you need to trust it and, um, you know, it doesn't always work right away, I guess, is one thing. Sure. Um, you know, what, or, you know, you're, you're shifting based off of data and the first hitter, you have three guys on the pull side and he hits one of the opposite, opposite field for a hit. Oh, no doubt. Right. You get the, everybody gives the, uh, I told you so look like it's your, yeah, your, and, and, right. And, you know, so you gotta, it's just one of those things you have to be convicted and you gotta trust it. You gotta, um, there has to be buy-in for it. Um, it takes some courage, um, you know, to, to, to kind of hang in there with it at times. Cause mm-hmm. it's not, it's not bulletproof. It's not, it's certainly not guaranteed of success. It's just, it's just a tool and it's just a resource. Yeah. Um, you know, we're very fortunate Charlotte. We have a lot of manpower, um, behind the scenes that really helps us with, um, school of engineering professor, um, and a team of students that, you know, with all the tools and accessories we have with high-speed camera, RevSoto, Blast, um, you know, and some other, some other things, you know, they're able to really, when practice is over, or the game's over, they're able to, you know, while we're, you know, we're looking at it, but they're able to sink their teeth in and really filter it and chop it up and break it down to, you know, usable stuff for our players and coaches, which, again, it's just another direction. The game's gone, and we're fortunate to have it, Charlotte. No doubt. No doubt. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, great, great information. 
Um, man, I, I, I get you get to the point sometimes um, when when you're just sitting talking talking to folks, and you know you look up and it's you're you're you've been talking for an hour and you could go for another hour. Um, but I, I man, I enjoy I enjoyed it. I love talking. Um, talking baseball with, with guys that, that love to, to talk it as well too. And um, I we appreciate you you taking some time out today. Um, we yeah. will definitely see you, I'm sure, um, this summer. Um, and looking forward to, to being out on the field and seeing that and seeing you again. Um, and if you need anything from our end, you, you know we're always always open. Absolutely. No, I appreciate the time and opportunity to come on and just, heck, I remember I was, I was talking with Andy the other day, just, uh, I remember being a young high school player back in 2001 and he was, he was writing for a, a service that wasn't even, yep. you know, this one. Yep. And I remember being a freshman, sophomore in high school, pitching in, pitching in Myers Park and I remember him standing behind a dish and, you know, just just being fired up that he was there to see me play and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, the players out there, you really never know who's watching. And, um, you know, Andy and I have known each other now for almost 20 years, you know, just throughout baseball. It's, it's a, our network is a small network. It's a smaller than people think. And it's, it truly is a, a fraternity. So, um, I just challenge everybody out there to, to have a growth mindset and to embrace embrace you know, the obstacles and challenges the player the players out there are going to face, um, face them head on, and surround yourself with good people and you know good things in baseball can happen for you. It's a it's a special game. It's a special fraternity. No question. We appreciate it, and um, you know, good luck, and uh, we will be talking with you soon. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Coach. Special thanks again to Robert Woodard, the head coach of the UNCC Charlotte 49ers for coming on the show today. Uh, Just, you know, puts a lot of things in perspective. Uh, it's neat to hear how people have handled this situation that we're currently in, how they're moving forward, but a lot of great information on his, his definitely uh, how how his playing career and coaching career evolved, uh, where he's at now, and, um, you know, just you, you get, get better every day. Uh, have a growth mindset. Be willing to learn, and um, you know you, you'll be on the right path. Check us out on Twitter. Check the dirtbags.com, and we will see you next week.